stop before we deal with the subject of foster care we want to say something this is said in love this is not said against foster parents we have family members and friends who are foster parents we have family members and friends who are in adoption we want to be very very careful how we go about this but today we're going to talk about how the foster care system in America and the adoption system, unfortunately, have been used as a pipeline for some very, very sinister trafficking. I'm Jonathan Fiala for Further Every Day, and in the studio with me, I've got uh, to my left, Justin. How's it going? Ah, it's going really good. It's a uh, early morning for us this time. We're doing kind of a different time than normal. So if you see me yawn, it's not because I'm bored. Well. Might be bored, but that's not the main reason. It's I'll, just it's early. I'll shake well, you up real good. And like I was saying earlier, I said this off air. Someone uh, cracked the slab out front of my my parents' house. So at five a.m., I was uh, helping them out and had been running a jackhammer all morning. So if I look rattled, I was. So, uh, he's still you, vibrating. Are you jacked up, man. <laughs> should be jacked. Well, up now the concrete moment. is. The concrete is. Mr. Steve in the yes. chair of culture. How you doing, sir? Doing good, man. I'll be. Uh, he wants that John Cena music. Culturally, uh, he, whatever. Producer didn't find it fast enough. And his name is John Cena. Okay. Enough of that. <laughs> chances are, I'm, I might be a little politically incorrect too. I don't know. Absolutely. Wow. There you go. Amazed. All amazed. of us just amazed that amazed would happen. It's a surprise. Yeah. yeah. All right. So. Mr. Producer, if you could pull it up, uh, the first clip on Foster, uh, rather, excuse me, the sponsors. <clears throat> so the U.S. is potentially complicit, and, and this is a serious topic today, but we got to have some levity because it's 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 a lot. Otherwise, like the last podcast, we were all sulky. So be, okay, but before we get started, I do want to talk about foster care and what it is. Yeah, go okay. ahead. So foster care is your modern day orphanage, right? It, in America, we don't have orphanages. Right. There's no, you know, little Annie situation happening. OK, instead of having orphanages like they have in other countries, well, now where all the kids are just in one like group home, sharing beds, sharing tables, sharing whatever. We place them with families. Now, these are families who have homes. Some of them have children. Some of them don't. Some of them are married. Some of them aren't. Right. But we have this selection process in order to figure out who can house a child. Then, as kids get taken away from parents or parents die, they place them with these families, right? So there's hundreds upon thousands upon thousands of foster care homes and foster care kids that get placed in these different well, homes. Which we don't we don't have orphanages anymore. Yeah, we used to. Yeah, used and, to. and and so this is, I think, a very potentially humane and beautiful way to run the orphanage system it reduces the corruption so that if there's corruption in one place hopefully hopefully it's limited to just that one family with 410,000 i think is what it is estimated uh, fosters right now 400 something thousand in america today like right now as of the recording of this podcast uh that's that's a huge burden that's been dispersed among a lot of people. And so there's a value for that. That's I want to be very clear. I've got family members who are foster parents and it is the hardest job. It is the hardest job that they could ever do. And I love and appreciate them. They are incredible. Foster parents are heroes most of the time. However, there is an issue with a lack of of, of punishment of crime in this nation and 
we're going to talk about some of the stats, but it's roughly 25% of those who go into the foster care system are sexually abused. And again, if you, if you just warning, parents, if you have kids in the room today, this is a mature subject. Make sure that they are ready to talk about it. We're going to try to not be graphic, uh, be ready to have a conversation with, with your kids if you have them in the room. This is a, a slightly more sensitive subject today. But um, foster, the foster care system replaced something that was actually not, not, not so good. Yeah. So orphanages with, are not great. If you've never worked with an orphanage in another country, they aren't fantastic. Um, there's a lot of lack of care and a lot of, man, you're one of, you're a number in the system. Right. You're in, and it's not even just a number in the overall system of the 410,000. No, you're a number in the house you're staying in. Correct. My, um, my grandfather on my mother's side uh, grew up in an orphanage, and he worked, man, they worked them like crazy. Yeah. And they rented them out, too. And, and so— That was one of the things. That's the big concern. And so, Mr. Producer, if you could go ahead and pull that up and just—yeah, perfect. If you can go ahead and pull that up. Let's go ahead and listen to what this lady said. We talked about this last week when we talked about uh, trafficking, but I think it, it bear— it bears bringing up again. Now, this is a Senate, uh, Senate test, a testimony hearing of, uh, um, do, do you see her name? I don't see it on there. Read it out to me, Mr. Mr. Producer. Yeah, so uh, Miss Rodas, she's actually, she's going to explain herself, but she's just in for the testimony. Let's go ahead and, and hear her with her own words. Speak about how the U.S. My is My goal complicit. is to inspire action to safeguard the lives of migrant children, including the staggering 85,000 that are missing. Today, children will work overnight shifts at slaughterhouses, factories, restaurants to pay their debts to smugglers and traffickers. Today, children will be sold for sex. Today, children will call a hotline to report they are being abused, neglected, and trafficked and we don't know if they're going to get the help they need. For nearly a decade, unaccompanied children have been suffering in the shadows. And I have to confess, I knew nothing about their suffering until 2021 when I volunteered to help the Biden administration with the crisis at the southern border. As part of Operation Artemis, I was deployed to the Pomona Fairplex Emergency Intake Site in California to help HHS, Office of Refugee Resettlement, reunite children with sponsors in the United States. I thought I was going to help place children in loving homes. Instead, I discovered that children are being trafficked through a sophisticated network that begins with recruiting in home country, smuggling to the U.S. border, and ends when ORR delivers a child to a sponsor. Some sponsors are criminals and traffickers and members of transnational criminal organizations some sponsors view children as commodities and assets to be used for earning income. This is why we are witnessing an explosion of labor trafficking. Now, whether it's intentional or not, it could be argued that the United States government has become the middleman in a large-scale, multi-billion-dollar child trafficking operation that is run by bad actors seeking to profit off of the lives of children. As for me, my interest is the safety of the children. I do not view this as a political issue. I view this as a humanitarian issue. 
I assure you, my motives are the highest and best. I want the children protected. So I wanna tell you some of what I witnessed personally at the Pomona Fairplex. I saw vulnerable indigenous children from Guatemala who speak Mayan dialects and cannot speak Spanish. That means they cannot ask for help in English. They cannot help for, ask for help in Spanish. They become captives of their sponsors. I have sat with case managers as they've cried to tell me the horror of what has happened to children as they make the journey to this country. I saw apartment buildings where 20, 30, and 40 unaccompanied minors have been released. I saw sponsors trying to simultaneously sponsor children from multiple ORR sites at one time. I saw sponsors using multiple addresses to obtain sponsorships of children. And I saw numerous cases of children in debt bondage and the child knew they had to stay with the sponsor until the debt was paid. Realizing that we were not offering the children the American dream, but instead putting them in modern day slavery with wicked overlords was a terrible revelation. A terrible revelation. So you, you might be saying, well, those are sponsored kids who are unaccompanied minors. What does that have to do with the foster care system? And that's a very good question. I'm glad you asked. That, that's actually a very good question. Uh, the same apparatus that deals with foster is dealing with unaccompanied minors. It is the same apparatus and it is the same group. It's the same governmental structure. And I'm not saying that the whole structure needs to be thrown out, but we need to wake up. We need to be very, very cognizant of what is happening and how bad it really is. So for clarity, the difference between a sponsor and a foster is a foster is in your home. You have the obligation to care for this child, right? You have to parentally parent, parentally parent. You have to parentally protect them. Yeah, uh, th thank you. Parentally you're, protect you're this child. A sponsor, parent. you don't have to, they don't have to be in your house. Right, you're responsible for the kid, but the kid can be with another family or you know, whatever. And so that's what really allows the child trafficking to ha happen so widely with sponsors. There's no, you know, obligation of they have to be in the house. You can't check up on the sponsor because you know they can be like, oh no, they're with my brother Joe or their cousin Emilio or whatever. Right, yes. um, Foster. There's a little bit more checking up but not as much as we would hope right there's still and we'll get into this there's still a large issue with foster but it is better than sponsorship C correct and but the reason we bring that up and you might be thinking they're not related and but we're going to make that case in just a moment we're, we're we're seeing the same evil being perpetrated in multiple places uh, just just some stats here. This is from uh, cpjustice.org, Center for Public Justice. Uh, you have roughly, so the National Center for Missing and Exploited <coughs> Children estimates that roughly one in five children who went missing from child welfare in 2021 were the victims of child, uh, child sex trafficking. A 70-city uh, raid by the FBI, go ahead and pull this up, please, uh, by the FBI in 2013 found that 60% of children trafficked in those cities were from foster care or group homes. 
in 2012, 86 of 88 victims of a child sex trafficking uh, or of child sex trafficking identified by the state of Connecticut were involved with a with the child welfare system. So there's the stats for you. By the way, link in the description. As always, we, we try to make sure that we cite our sources. That we're not just bloviating on this podcast. Thank you, sir. Um, it goes. You want to keep reading that 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 uh, story. It goes further. Thank you, Mr. Producer. That's good. Uh, however, that article goes on to make the case that if the church were, I believe it's this article, if the church were to take in one foster kid, it would absolutely change. It would absolutely reduce the entire, the entire burden on the system. Now, I'm not saying that everyone's called to do that. In fact, if, you, if you're not called to foster kids, please don't. don't. Like, do everyone a favor. Do not, do not, do not do this unless you're called to do this. However, however, there are some very bad, bad people out there who are fostering kids. And it's very similar to what you heard with uh, uh, Tara Lee Rodas's uh, testimony a moment ago, where you do have kids who are trafficked. You don't think the parents that traffic their own daughters wouldn't, wouldn't also pick up a foster and traffic them as well? Well, and, you know, they get money for it, too, just from the state. So when you foster, you get some reimbursements. Correct. So just a basic foster family, your minimum reimbursement for what we would call the perfect foster kid, right? They fall under basic is 27 bucks a day minimum. Now, when you start to get into kids who have anger issues, kids who have mental illness, which is a large portion, a large portion. Do I have that number here? No, I don't. I wish I did. I read it last night and I can't remember the number now, but there's a large portion of the foster kids have a mental illness or trauma or whatnot. You get into specialized. Their minimum daily is $57 reimbursement. So there are people that see that and they go, ka-ching. You know, and then they also will traffic them on the side. In yeah, fact, yeah. It, from, from that article, many of the foster kids uh, who are trafficked, they find that the relationship and, and anecdotally, I know this is true too. everyone that I've talked to who's in the uh, foster, who's in the um, trafficking recovery industry, they have said the bond with the trafficker is stronger than any other bond due to the consistency, the emotional consistency of the trafficker, even if the person's abusing him, even if the person is is going out of line. So what that means is that we as a church need to be emotionally consistent. We need to be there for the person. By the way, it's not lost on me. That's hard. That is hard. It's not lost on us as a group here that that is a difficult ask. So. If you know foster kids, if you know a family who's who's that, that's one of the reasons why it's so important to protect them and help them. If you can be a blessing in their life, be a blessing, Steve. Yeah. And one of the articles I was reading that, excuse me, that there's a big misuse of psychotropic drugs with a lot of these uh, foster kids. And can you imagine uh, like like you were talking about, the $57 a day just comes rolling into them. 
when they start misusing these foster parents start misusing these psychotropic drugs on so them. you know no why those drugs them? get misused because foster parents uh don't always have access to the kids prescription drug information because of HIPAA laws and all of that, that stuff is kept by a separate department that the foster agencies then have to request. So if you have an emergency placement, you know, there are kids who don't get their prescription drugs because the foster parents don't know they need them, or they'll find prescription drugs in the bags, and the foster parents, the evil ones, right, right. will be like, eh, they don't need them, I'm gonna take them. Right. And the foster system doesn't catch it because they don't have access to the medical records. You know, so that's a huge thing is drugs can also easily be trafficked through these foster kids because we can't check it because of HIPAA laws. Correct. So the question comes, I don't want us to be about about smelling rotten eggs only we want to make sure that we're providing solutions and we will and and believe me we 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 will but we do want to go a little bit further we do want to go a little bit further and go on to the next story so again i want to be very cautious about this uh this is a story about an individual who was in the uh texas foster placement agency and uh there were sex abuse allegations levied but it's gonna be the next one mr producer we already went through that one. It's going to be the, the article from the Texas Tribune, or no, Kara News, Kara News. Um, and even though he was accused of this, go ahead, he was still allowed to keep his job with, child, with children. Think about that for a moment. There's an accusation, and it's not lost on me with the Me Too movement that there's like a desensitization towards allegations. However, that's not the case. This has always been the case. It's always, even before Me Too, it was always possible for someone like this to act in this way and then not be strung up. And so we're going to talk about another story. Thank you, Mr. Producer. We're going to talk about another story in a minute. And I think that you and I are going to have a little bit of a disagreement. We were talking about this off air, and I think that's great. Uh, But we, we want to build a case of how do we fix this long term we're going to listen to some other people and, and it hurts me to say her name samantha b we'll be talking about her in a little bit uh yeah exactly well we're going to be listening to, to her solutions as well as a few others but for now um not all foster agents uh, uh agency workers not all foster parents we're not saying that but there needs to be a change where that's not that's not allowed well and it's not even always the foster parents fault I mean, I have, so I know I've said this in podcasts before, I have worked with foster ministries before, right? When I was back in Washington, that was a big part of where I volunteered and where I spent my time was foster ministry, adoptive and foster care. We were doing an event one night uh, where I had all the kids and a few other helpers. Um, and then the parents had some time to get some resources and all of that. And they were actually talking about trauma reactions that night. Well, we had a little girl have a trauma reaction. We don't know what triggered it, but she went ballistic. I mean, she was ripping. You know what? This shirt is a gift from God himself. (laughs) You are welcome for getting to see it. Um, So, I mean, she was ripping posters off the wall. She was grabbing things and and chucking them and throwing them. She was hitting. And we, 
you sit there and you go, what can I do? Now, if she started to hit a person, we were allowed to do the, you know, the four point bear hug, mm-hmm. right? Wrap your arms, wrap your legs, hold the child. Don't let them go because now they're harming someone else. But until they harm someone else, you kind of just have to stand there and watch. She full on for like an hour. And this foster mom was so exhausted. Mm-hmm. And you could tell. And she was like, because, mm. you know, the kids had issues at home and she's trying and trying. And she finally just looks and goes, I don't know what to do. Now, luckily, she was in a place with a bunch of leaders and trauma and stuff. But we ended up having to even call the cops because we're like, we can't get her to listen. We can't get her to go into the car. You know, we ended up having to call the cops because, you know, we called the social service number and they're like well is this a placement issue okay then it needs to wait till tomorrow morning yeah we're like okay so the cops had to come out the little girl finally um self-regulated by painting with soap on a wall luckily it was a bathroom wall so it was easy to clean but she self-regulated and ended up calming herself down finally um and it was just all about keeping her safe probably because she just tired herself out well, I mean, that's what self-regulation is. My little cousin is adopted that's, that's and fostered. That's not self-regulation. That's wearing yourself out. That's what self-regulation yeah. is. Wearing yourself out? Yeah. It's a form. It You can define that, it as a form of. Yes, wearing yourself out the, is a form of self-regulation. I don't know. That just kind of sounds like... Uh, you come from a different generation, yeah. Mr. <laughs> Steve. You, you guys, self-regulation. You, you guys talk that, about self-control, whereas whereas this is you know, something happened. That didn't sound like down. regulation. Yeah, to me she wore whatsoever. herself out. She calmed herself down. The movement of hands, it. the textures, calmed her brain down and wore herself out. Right. My little cousin's also, you know a foster kid who was eventually adopted. He did the same thing. Him and my uncle got in a fight. He went running. So, you know, I'm like, okay, follow the child, you know, and the kid ended up picking up two rocks and was just hitting them and hitting them on other rocks. And eventually just doing that calmed himself down because of the self-regulation, the repetitive moment movements, things like that. It's a thing kids do. And when you see it a lot more in trauma induced kids, Right. But it's not always the foster parents fault because there's not the resources for them because we just don't have them. Yeah. Sounds more like to me that there's no consequences to actions. Well, what it sounds like to me. That's part of it, too. You know, um, when you look at the self-regulation sounds like foster care requirements for Texas. Right. One of them is agree to a non-physical discipline policy. Right. Makes it hard. Like I said, the only time we could constrain her would be if she was harming somebody else. And she wasn't. She just went for property. I think she knew. She knew she she could destroy property and get away with it. Exactly. That's the whole point. Absolutely. I I, I had a situation like that with one ministry where we were in and we had this one as one boy. He was unstable and he was throwing chairs at people. He knew that they could dodge him. Because it didn't actually nail on someone he knew he, he knew he could get away with it. And uh, I won't use this name. I won't use the church's name that, that I was volunteering at. But uh, this young man was uh, special needs. Um, he was high functioning. He really, he really could have self-regulated. But um, due to 
whatever whatever all the the backstory was you know we just had to calm him down and verbally de-escalate which yeah. is really unfortunate and really hard to do with a kid Sounds if you've like ever tried to de-escalate a kid with special needs yeah Sounds it, like y'all are rewriting Webster's Dictionary over here. <laughs> <laughs> this man, this, old, this man over here, I'm going to be politically on, incorrect. <laughs> really? He chose violence today. That's okay. We love him. Uh, so originally, when I was speaking, though, I just want to make sure the audience understands because I, I was, we're talking about sexual uh, abuse. You're talking about physical abuse. Uh, when when a, when a child goes nuts, if there's an accusation of physical abuse, sometimes it's the parent grabbing onto the kid and saying, no, 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 you can't. And they're, or they're actually just reaching out, like, just don't hit me. And the kid can actually say, look at the bruise on my wrist. It's like, well, well, yeah, you were throwing haymakers. <laughs> yeah. I was just trying to stop you. So understand, it's not lost on us that, uh, that fostering is not easy. It's not lost on us. However, we need to make sure that we are actually paying attention. And there is some attention being paid. Uh, there is some, some awareness being shed. You know, like we said, we had Senate testimony hearing about, at least about, about sponsors. And some of this is coming out more and more about fosters. There's a clip, if you'll go ahead and pull that up, Mr. Producer, from... Uh, 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 KXAN.com. Again, link in the description as always. Coxon. Coxon. Yeah, you'll have to just do a full screen on that. And if you can start it from where we left off, that'd be awesome. Row, row, reggie. There you go. Whenever you're ready, sir. Go ahead. There you go. It's staggering yeah. statistic out of this report. The monitors found more than 400 children who were victims. Out of those, 25% had either experienced abuse for the first time in the foster care system or were re-victimized after entering the system. Almost half of those incidents reportedly happened while the child was on runaway status from their foster home or their treatment facility. This report was released alongside a separate report from these court monitors, which called for an investigation into a spike in runaway incidents from a particular facility in Bastrop in the year 2021. It's the latest allegation against that facility called The Refuge, which houses and treats underage victims of sex trafficking. Earlier this year, The Refuge confirmed authorities were investigating an incident where a former employee exploited two of the residents. Another incident they're investigating is one where employees may have helped two girls flee the ranch. The refuge said running away was a well-documented, sad coping mechanism for kids in foster care and kids who've experienced trauma like many of the girls they serve. In a statement, the founder and CEO of the refuge told us they are grateful to the court monitors for shining a light on the unique challenges of runaway children in treatment facilities such as theirs. Thank you, sir. They said they so with that said, I ran away. They've seen I was a success kid. recently with a new approach for responding that, to these kinds of incidents. With he's trying, he was trying, he was Thank trying you. real hard. Just it was not it. pausing. He I was. You should have seen his face. He was like, oh. it, well, that's not true at all. By the way, I made that up. Yeah, Ryan doesn't make faces. <laughs> right. he just he, has he does. Face. He is Mr. Calm, cool, and collected. So, with that said, I ran away when I was a kid twice. Did right? you? Yeah. Who'd you run to? Uh the field across the way. <laughs> okay. So I also have a <laughs> the friend. The the hundred yard dash. I also had a had a had a friend growing up. He uh, he was adopted. Okay, and he ran away. Now parents are going through a messy divorce. So don't don't misunderstand us. It's not lost on us that there is a difference between running away 
there is a difference between running away and and actually running from abuse yeah right there is a definite difference however uh in the light of the stats of 25 percent of children being sexually victimized in the foster care system or re-victimized that's you, you know what's interesting is I was reading last night because, you know, that's what you do when you prepare for one of these. Um, is oh, read. is it? Yeah, yeah. You're surprising me. Yeah. You know, he you read evolving. at night. <laughs> oh. <laughs> to be fair, I prepped for this one late last night. Oh, my bad, y'all. Yeah, I heard my phone going off uh, <laughs> yeah, late I just last night. wanted to make sure you were still alive. Um, <laughs> Kept me up. <laughs> um, Good job. So Also evolving over there. Keep going. <laughs> um, but I was reading, and there's actually a good chunk of the abuse that doesn't even come from the parents, and it comes from other kids. I want to say it was, and I wish I'd written it down. Physical or sexual? Sexual. Mm-hmm. Okay. That come from the other kids. It's like 20% of those who claim to be sexually abused, it happens from a child at school. And I have seen this i was dating a girl and her nephew had actually come home and told his mom that a guy on the school bus had touched his wee wee yeah there we go um you know and so they took it to the school it became a whole thing and the school was kind of like well you know did he really do we have evidence you know and just kind of let it slide Ooh, let me tell you if you wanted to see a mama bear moment whoo even i was scared and I knew the family, right? So it it happens. And when you get into the foster care, kids who have been abused will, it is highly likely, oh man, I wish I wrote down more statistics last night, but I was tired. Um, there's a statistic on the number of abusers and the percentage of them that were abused. And it was like in the 90%, 90% of the abusers were abused. So when you get a kid that was sexually abused, it is highly likely that they will sexually abuse someone else. Yes. And so when you start putting mm -hmm. foster kids in multiple, you know, multi foster kids in families, which happens, when you'll have 12 or six or whatever. Yeah. So when we say, you know, they experience abuse for the first time, it's not always the parents. Sometimes it's the kid. And, there's not resources for that either, right? The amount of foster kids who aren't in therapy is mind-blowing. I'm like, if you're in foster care, you should have to go to therapy. Yeah. Even if it's group therapy, you should have to be going to some therapy, and we don't. I think... And that's a failing Mark on the church. One, yeah. Mark one for Justin's ideas for how to fix this, and all foster kids to therapy. How about, how about offer therapy as the church? You know, that, that's something that Christ-based counseling for kids. And it's, that it, it, it's is not, a wonderful idea. It's not necessarily about, about evangel evangelism. It doesn't have to be about evangelism for us to do our work. And let me be very careful. I'm saying that. I'm not saying that we don't want to evangelize, but I'm saying bringing them the truth out of God's word is naturally going to lead to their spiritual outcome being, being, being proper across the board if we're doing a holistic approach to them and and we start with what they need jesus never started with the gospel jesus always started with the person's need and then when they asked about the gospel he always set it up so that they would ask and then he would come in with the gospel and it would show that there is someone that cares about their needs yes and that loves them and cares about them you know not just 
what they can offer sexually. Correct. You know, correct. Yeah, I don't ever remember that being in Jesus's uh, it, you know sermon on saying? the mount. That's, no, but that's but all that pedophiles want. What you're alluding, alluding to, alluding to, what you're alluding to there is the is the fact that a lot of these kids have been so devalued. Sitting in the chair of economics here for a second, they've been so devalued. They they think all the worth that they have to bring is physical touch, right? Or 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 work. In some cases, and that's 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 what they think they have. That's it. So, providing that value is huge. Everything good, Mr. Producer? Just raised I, his hand. Okay. I heard. Awesome. I heard someone's phone go off, and I looked at the producer. I was like, "Is it you?" He's like, "It wasn't me." At this time, we would like to ask you all to please silence your phones. <laughs> Note from Mr. Producer. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, that's close enough. Okay. So, but on, absolutely. Man. So here, here's a solution that's been proposed by some people on the left from uh, the likes of Samantha B. If you can go ahead and pull up that Samantha B. show, one of the most unfunny women in the funny business. But uh, it's interesting to hear, uh, and actually, kind of. There's some things that some of us would agree with, and there's some things that some of us won't. Uh, let's go ahead and listen to, to, to what the opposite side has to say. The act of placing children in foster care can cause lasting pain. So we should True. limit it only to cases where it's absolutely necessary, like we would with getting surgery or listening to a friend's podcast. The good news <laughs> is that thanks to a new bipartisan law passed last year, we are taking steps to improve the foster care system. The bill includes the Family First Prevention Services Act, Another bill originally introduced by Senator Wyden and myself to strengthen families and reduce inappropriate foster care placements. Okay, I know that watching Orrin so Hatch speak is mind-numbingly boring, bit. but what he's skip saying is incredible. So, so she does a, a shtick with the dog, making fun of Orrin Hatch. Go a little bit further. Instead that have been shown to prevent children a little bit further. There you go. Care. There you go. Right to there. How I mean, not just the skateboarding bulldog, which is obviously rad as balls, but Democrats and Republicans actually cooperated really to balls. pass a law that helps protect children Apparently. and keep families together. This law is a great start, but no law can fix racism and no law can fix overcrowding. We can do better. Across the country, there is a shortage of foster parents. We need more people who are willing to provide safe, caring homes for children who need one. CPS workers and others who work with kids need better training to avoid racial biases. And most importantly, we should Why provide families about? with resources they need from the very beginning. Things okay, like universal childcare and employment that and housing agree. services and agree. parental leave. Every mm -hmm. child deserves a safe and caring home. Am I right, DJ Barky Bark? Can we have a DJ right? Barky Bark? Hey, if you want to if, if you want to help, Mr. Producer is welcome to provide antics as long as he clears them through me. So okay. if you want to help Mr. Producer? We're going to come up with some sort of DJ Barky Bark. We want to have, you know, we were talking about this earlier. We got to spice it up a little bit. But, uh, okay, so a lot of stuff there. By the way, she just spent the last two minutes talking about how one in f it's like uh, one in five uh, kids in foster are black as opposed to the 14% of the population. So there's an overrepresentation. It, it might have been more, actually. 100% true. And yes, but you also have a significantly higher amount of that particular population 
You want to talk about stats that that that, that aren't comfortable? Fifty percent of murder homicides are committed by one race, and it's not the women in that race. Black, and it happens to be African Americans. So yes, there and and don't tell me, do not tell me that there are there's a two hundred percent extra of whites that are running around that have gotten away with murder, with literal murder. Don't tell me that. That's not accurate. So there is a two. There is a discretion. <laughs> For legal Where's reasons, my white that card? was a joke. Where's my white card? Oh, uh, gee, officer, I killed the man, but here's my white card. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. Um, Please, no, no, no. <laughs> Come on, but, man. No. Yeah, thankfully, it doesn't work that way. So with that said, there is something to that, but she's saying that it's because of discrimination. Uh, by the way, I actually have a story for you. I have a story for you. Uh, so one of my best friends, uh, two adopted kids in this in this family, uh, they were taken away by a black social worker because she said they're white, and I really don't like that. I don't think uh, you know they must be white saviors or whatever. They must be. They must be. They must be. They must be. And so there was no abuse. There was no abuse. One of them was a special needs, mildly special needs. Like, like, like I'm talking like we're we're talking about just mildly on the spectrum, okay? Just mildly on the spectrum. And she said, "You can't you can't keep keep these kids because uh, you're not you're not equipped." She could never say why, and it was racial. So it goes both ways, Samantha B. It goes both ways, and I agree, and I totally agree that we need to make sure. <laughs> That it is it is being done in a righteous way. <laughs> Steve over here pulling out his white card. Out his white card. <laughs> a white, a white card. card. <laughs> so timing, <laughs> Mr. Johnson. Timing. <laughs> well, it took me a bit to find it. I keep it hidden. <laughs> yeah, I keep my white card hidden too. Ain't nobody know. Yeah. Uh, this is my white card. Incorrectness. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not that white. Yeah. I'm, you I'm know what? White. It's not just blacks. So there is a. I'm trying to decide if I want to save this for the adoption podcast or not. Well, it's going to be the part two for um, this. So my my little cousins, my my aunt has guardianship over them because they are Native American in Washington. Native American is a huge thing. Huge thing. Um, there, we have tons of reservations, things like that. They're all over the place. Okay. Um, so when it comes to native American though, the native American tribes get money based on the number of people in the tribe. Mm -hmm. Well, if they're adopted mm -hmm. by somebody who's not native American, they they're lose. no longer part of that tribe. Right. Right. So the native American gets to control their fostering Yep. and their adoption. And so it took a long time and a lot of fighting for them to finally get guardianship of these kids. They can't adopt them. Right. Because then guardians. they wouldn't be able to be counted. But they finally got guardianship. But there are so many hoops to jump through. So we talk about the, the racism in the foster care. You know, oh, there's a lot of blacks there's a lot of native american there's you know double the american uh, native american population as opposed to their representation in the general population yeah, yeah. and i look uh, and i 2%, go as opposed okay, to 1% of actual population but how much of that is our fault right is it really you know we're not helping we're not providing and how much of it is you know the native americans they don't want to give it up they want them to stay in foster care because then they get counted yeah 
Exactly. You know, so there is racism, but as John Arthur was saying, it goes both ways. And it's more complex. It's much more complex than the likes of Samantha B want to make it. And like, look, don't get me wrong. Every time you actually, and she had one or two stories, by the way, go look at the video link in the description down below. Honestly, there are cases of racism. You will find anecdotal cases of racism. I have one that I just shared and it's, black on white racism and yes that happens okay that's and and noted but that's not the rule it's not systemic racism like they like to say cps goes nuts right cps does some pretty pretty nutty things i dislike cps yes cps as an institution is royally royally so Let's talk about one of the things, though, that, that she mentioned that I actually agree with, and Justin and I have a little bit of a, a little bit of a difference of, a, of 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 manner about this. It's from the Texas Tribune. Yeah, yeah, he wants to fight me. Uh, and his name is John yeah. C. Oh. I want to watch this fight. Bring that, bring that Texas Tribune article up, Mr. Producer, please. Um, where Texas actually is following suit with the federal and. There's now a law on the books in Texas that's going in effect in September September of of 23, where it will be more difficult to prove child abuse in uh, in a home. And the reason for that is because here's the truth. Thank you, Mr. Producer. Here's the truth. It is better to have and people are not going to like this. Let me pull back a little bit. Let me set this up because what I'm going to say, I've got to say this very carefully. Foster care is very hard on kids. The foster care system, the way it is, is so bad. It is so difficult to find good foster parents. You are taking a risk with if the parent slaps the child, right? And and that is the abuse the chance that you're going to put them in the foster care system and they're 25% more likely to be sexually assaulted or sexually abused. That is like, you're, you're now dealing with something in your mind. You're like, which one? You're, it, it's the meme of the guy with the two buttons. Potentially sexually assaulted parent is an a- a-hole and they slap their kids. Like, which Bro, one do you I got push? an even more drastic story for you. My cousin has a child. They have two childs. This is... Um, and the children, my, (laughs) you know, the mom went to work, locked the door behind her, went to work. The dad was taking a shower, right? Older of the girls out in the living room, watching TV. Would anybody say that's neglect? No, no. Dad needed to take a shower. Mom had to leave for work. It was maybe five minutes all the time. Right. Little girl walks up, unlocks the door, walks out. Yep. Yep. Five minutes time, dad comes out and goes, where is she? Where is she? Starts looking, grabs the other daughter and runs down the street looking, yelling your name. A cop comes by and goes, is everything okay? He goes, no, I think my daughter got out. Yeah. Right? He goes, okay, what's her name? Told her name. She goes, well, we got a call from an officer about 30 seconds ago, actually. And the officer had found her, picked her up. Called CPS. Called CPS. CPS did an investigation, threatened to take the kids away. Yep. Um, they ended up having to get you know, a lawyer who luckily did it pro bono because it was easy work. Yeah. And was like, hey, this was a one-time thing. But they made them get a door 
that had a key lock on both sides so that she couldn't reach up and unlock it anymore. But they threatened to take her away because the kid walked out the door once and they were going to put her them. Even if they took them away for a week, that's a week in foster care where you don't know what's going to happen. That's the issue that needs to be solved. Correct. Those are the bad foster care placements. There's a huge amount of that that goes on. I mean, man, I'm glad they didn't know about my family. I mean, I would have been fostered. And look, Here's the thing. Maybe you still should be. Oh, maybe I still too. should be at 29. Just, you know, yeah. yeah. Maybe for Send you to a different home. But, but, <laughs> I don't know where I'm going to be when I grow up. Anyway, uh, just think about that for a moment. You are now 25% chance if you foster that little girl, she's going to be sexually abused. 25% yep. chance. And so that's why I, I really think it needs to be harder to put someone in foster. And the, where you and I were disagreeing a little bit beforehand was it's the anonymous reporting requirement yeah. is now taken off. So if you want to if you want to describe that for a moment. Yeah. So the law, I think it's like RTC 82 or whatever it is. It link in the description down below. Um, that article links to the law. Um, and if you read the law, it actually all it does is it says you can no longer report anonymously, right? Um, and which has been a big influx. A lot of the reports of sexual abuse have been anonymous because people will report for themselves, but they want to report anonymous. Or let's say John Arthur and I are best friends and. I hear that John Arthur diddled a child, right? Once again, he hasn't. I'm very uncomfortable with this analogy, but keep going. But, and I go, I don't want to ruin our friendship, and what if I'm wrong, right? Because if I were to accuse John John Arthur of that and I was wrong, you know how horrible I would feel? First off, real bad. You know how horrible Um, I feel? But also, yeah, John Arthur would not (laughs) be happy with me. (laughs) So... Am I going to report that or not? I might not because I'm worried about the friendship. I might have to beat him up anonymously. Yeah. (laughs) Well, so (laughs) he ain't going to remember when you're done. Here's the constitutional side of this. So let me come in from the constitutional side of this. You have the right to face your accuser. You have the constitutional right to face your accuser. If someone accuses you of something, anonymous reporting is unconstitutional. And the reason why that is is because now anyone can accuse you of anything. And by the way, I've had this happen to me with non-sexual things, with with dumping, uh, uh, with with doing uh, EPA violations, where it's like, by the way, I know who did it because I know of the population in the area who was going to do it is our neighbor. I know, I know which neighbor did it because this guy complains about us driving on someone else's property a mile, a quarter of a mile, a half a mile away, and there's a little bit of dust kicked up, so he called the police. So I happen to know which person did this. But imagine you have that neighbor. So let me give you your your your, your other nightmare scenario. It's not best friends, but let's say you have that neighbor, and he says, "Hey, there's a lot of kids over at Justin's house." Justin is a 34 or 32, 32 year old single, single man. Is a 32 year old single man. Ladies. Yes, he is available and he's uh, uh, hot and single, ready to mingle. Anyway, uh, but but let's say that Bob, we're going to call this guy Bob. Bob is in your subdivision and he goes, you know what? Justin, you know, offered to do my lawn and he scalped my lawn. So, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say, hey, CPS, Justin has a lot of kids over. And in fact, I saw him touching one inappropriately. But please keep this anonymous. 
this law protects you against that. What we should have, though, is we should have a death penalty for pedophilia. For, Agree. I mean, if if you harm, a, and, and by the way, whatever you do to a kid, like if you if you hit a child, you should be comfortable. If someone complains about it, you should be comfortable with getting forty of whatever you did to that kid. Ooh, that's a good number. I like that. So, like, if 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 you if you slap a, a child on the bum, it it should be hard enough or soft enough, rather, that uh, if someone go comes up to you and slaps you on the bum the exact amount of times as an adult, you're gonna be like, well, that was pointless. But if you were punching this kid or you were whipping them with a hose, as as you know, I, I come from an Italian family. You know, things things happened back up in the tree. Uh, you would say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't want to do this anymore. Whatever you do to your child, you should be able to have publicly done to you if someone complains. Like, I really think that would solve a lot. If, if it, So the my, I don't disagree with that. I agree with that. If you're convicted of diddling, you should. Wait, but but with, a drill, with, with a Brillo pad on a drill motor. Uh, yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, you should never be able to diddle again. Um, but, you know, my issue with the anonymous thing is there's a lot of people who do do it anonymously. Yeah. And, you know, and I will say that there are a bunch where people where CPS because CPS sucks. Um, in case you don't know how I feel. Uh, I think that's where the change needs to be. Not in the can I report anonymously, but in the way CPS handles it. I don't think it should be a, you know, you get reported for abuse, instantly take the kids away and investigate. I think well, we need to get rid of CPS personally. You know what? I I don't think we need to get rid of it. I think it needs to be revamped. The um, FBI can handle everything that the... A revamped FBI could handle everything that CPS is supposed yeah, to C do. CPS is a joke. I, uh, we could do a whole podcast know. on why CPS needs to be gone. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we've, we've, all, we've all got stories. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, for one, like the anonymous part of it because more people are going to step up and say something and we're going to catch more abusers. Now, there might be a certain amount of false reports, but I think that's where CPS needs to step up and be able to differentiate them better before they take the kids away. We always talk about innocent until proven guilty. With kids, a lot of times we treat it guilty until proven innocent. I agree with and, that. Right, and that's where I actually sit there and I go, where do I agree? Because I agree with that. I think we need to protect the kids. But I also look and go, but keeping them with their family is protecting the kids. That And so it's it's kind of a choose your heart, right? Because either one is hard. But what, what what I where I come in is I always come in on the side of liberty and on individual freedom and on less government. So where I come down to is if if you've harmed your child, by the way, this is biblical. People say that that for some reason the Bible uh, didn't like women. You were able if a man beat his wife, you were supposed to take him out tie him up to the uh, to the uh, center post in the in the village and whip him 39 times up to you were supposed to take the guy out if a guy actually was a wife beater you were supposed to take him out tie him up and beat the crap out of him did jewish men do that well or hebrew men do that that that's another conversation but that was a remedy in the law that the woman had okay whether or not 
the followers of God have always followed God. Well, that's a, you know, the, obviously no. But what I, what I don't, what I don't ever want is the ability of a state to have an individual within the state anonymously report and then take away kids, right? Because that's where you have the state is now able to, actors in the state, CPS agents are able to say, I don't like, I don't like the fact that uh, that's a it's a white parent and a black kid, or I don't like the fact that it's a black parent and a white kid. Doesn't matter. I don't care what it is. I have one where it's a white parent and a black kid. Uh, I don't like that. Let's take them away. And they're the complainant, and that was the case with this one where it's an anonymous thing, and that was the case. That was ultimately what it was all about. So, taking that power away from the government's important, and it comes a point where. If you think someone is harming a kid, sack up, confront them on it, and if you don't like the answer you get, call 911. You know, it's not a CPS thing, it's a call 911. You've got to. Or call John Arthur. <laughs> uh, he'll take care of him real quick. His number is uh, in the link below. No, no. BR549. There you go. <laughs> There you go. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll center block and put him in Galveston Bay. For legal reasons, all of that was a joke. Yep. Our lawyers have told us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, come on. So man. let's go ahead and move forward to um, another I, failed solution. I, I do want to talk a little bit about we Casinos. keep bringing up the, the race go part. Ahead. Um, if. Producer, if you'll pull up, it's the screenshot of the uh, what kind of foster parents are we looking for? Um, this is the Washington State from the Washington State Department of Chi Children, Youth and Families gov. Right. Um, this is what they say they're looking for in a foster parent. Supportive of siblings staying together, racially and culturally diverse. That mm. is straight up in there. They're like, we want you to be racially diverse. They don't want white people. They don't want a typical white family. They then go on to go open and affirming of LGBTQIA plus children and youth. Not just open and understanding, but affirming. Right? Then they're like, where it's temporary, supportive parents of the path towards reunification, right? So they go, we want you to be, do what you can to get the parent, the kid back to the parents. Now, I've seen this once again. My little cousins went back to their parents multiple times and kept coming back to my aunt because she kept going out and doing more drugs or finding new boys to bring home or going out and gambling all her money away. But they needed to be supportive of that. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> open to care for the medical, fragile, the emotional behavior. Yeah, all of that's great. But you look and you go. Foster care is becoming a, a woke thing now. They're looking for woke. They're they're cutting out a lot of the good. Whoa, our computer's choppy. Okay, we're back. Okay, sorry. They're cutting out a lot of the good Christian church because they're saying, no, we want you. We need you to be affirming of this. We need you to support the leftist agenda in order to foster. So you want to talk about racism you know, look at what the foster care system in Washington is doing. They're being racist with who they let foster. And let's go a step further because it's all ideological and it's all coming out of the critical, critical school of thought. In Germany, 
where critical thought was originally uh, brought in, uh, we were going to talk about the casinos. Link in the description down below. Another failed policy is casinos, and we'll we'll we'll. We'll, we'll talk about that in, a, in the adoption one. Well, That's we're, yeah, we're, because we talk about that in adoption too. We'll talk about that dur during adoption. But for now, um, critical theory was created in Germany, and I, I don't, you weren't here for when we covered that, but you were. You remember that all critical theory comes out of the Frankfurt School, mm -hmm. which, ironically enough, the German Jews who were so hot on the Frankfurt theory had to leave when their theories were put in place and Hitler killed all the Jews. They had to run here to America. And that's how we had the Frankfurt School here in America in the 70s, where they started to put out the, they kept putting out the same drivel. Guys, for, for you annoying jerks in the comment section, I'm looking at you. Clint. The reason I say they're German Jews is not because I have a problem with them being Jewish. The irony that they were in Germany and they were Jewish, and their critical ideas were ultimately ba the basis of what Hitler did. They had to flee, and they still didn't abandon the bad ideas. Instead, they imported them to America. That's the that's the thing that's really annoying to me. That's the thing that, that gets me, is that these guys, the Frankfurt School, moved here, and they brought their bad ideas with them. And they are continuing some of those bad ideas in Germany as uh, recently as the 80s. Actually. All the way up until the 80s. Uh, 88, Still. I believe, is the end of that trial. So there is, uh, what was the name of it? So the Kensler, Kinnaniner. Go ahead and pull up the, um, the article from the New Yorker, please, Mr. Producer. I can't remember. It started with a K and it ended with a letter. Um, You're killing me, bro. You're killing me. Hi, you kill me. What's right, the cool. again? I can't. I can't read that Sue from here. You. So do I, do I look like a go ahead young man? Um. So basically, this guy Mr. came up with 40. the. That's <laughs> <laughs> your name. <laughs> he came up with this idea uh, in Germany that to help protect foster kids and make sure they go to a loving home, we're going to give them to people who love kids. Nay, 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 nay. People who love kids. I mean, bow, love, bow, 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 love, love kids. kids. Like, yep. you know, because the idea is they want to if they have them. a physical attraction to them, if they have a physical love to them, right? Well, obviously, they'll take care of them. What's the guy's name? Hankel? Might be. Kank? H-E-N-K-E-L. Kankersor? Oh, Hankel. Sorry. Anyway. It might Keep be. Going. Hank yeah. Keep going. So okay. um, they did this, and in 1988... 1988, ladies and gentlemen, some of you were alive then. He, to the German Senate. Kent, the Kentler experiment. Kentler, thank you. Kentler. You got to remember yeah. these things, bub. <laughs> Help me out. To, a he was an influence. So to, Helmut, I have short-term memory Helmut, loss. Helmut Kentler was an influential uh, sexologist in Germany. Yeah, yeah, a sexologist nonetheless. We're letting sexologists decide. We in aren't. German care. did. Let a sexologist decide what to do with foster kids. Ankle was the guy right. that uh, kids went to that they were. Um, but dying. In 1988, he went to the German Senate and called it a, a complete success. <laughs> Can I tell you, there ain't no way that was a complete success. Because I promise you, those kids were getting diddled. They and, were. And so the question comes always is, is what we're doing, does it work? Right? And, and so... There's a lot of good intentions. So there's some of it that's obviously wrong intention. I'm sorry, Helmut Kentler was not well-intentioned. He's a, he's a bad person. 
uh, but you want to make sure that it's actually working. So some people get upset when, when, when people don't agree with their solution to the problem. And that's part of the polarization here in America. So, uh, most people, most people do not want foster care kids to suffer. Most people want the foster care population to go down because of a proper placement in adoptive homes. Most people want there to be less suffering. Most people want adoption to be easier. Which, most people want those kids to be protected. Now, there's some differences about how we go about that. But most people agree on these things. Yeah. And I will say, foster, the number of foster placements has dropped in the last three to four years. Um, now, it could be COVID-related, you know, maybe, but I kind of doubt it. I think we have been making good strides to make it better, but there's a long way to go. But, yeah, and, 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 I, and I agree. So one of the reasons why I wanted to originally hold on that one uh, uh, citation from, from Washington's uh, Foster is because I wanted to bring up this other story. And, and we'll, we'll bring it up in the adoptive one, too. But go ahead and bring up that New, New Yorker, uh, that New York Post, excuse me, story on those two individuals. Because we all agree that we do not... And just hold it there. Very good. Uh, scroll down so people can read the title. And the title on this is uh, scroll up. Scroll up. Thank you. He's a gay he's couple on he chain, to... charged with molesting their adoptive sons also pimped them to a pedophile ring. Report claims. Link in the description below. We did. Go ahead. Uh, yes, we, we did. had that one. Time. We've, we've reported on this before. Yes. Thank you, Mr. Producer. Uh, but what all of that to say is, is we do not want to keep kids from good homes i'm not actually against putting a foster or adoptive kid with with a with someone i disagree with ideologically but the problem is and, and some people are going to say oh are you saying that gay people are going to harm their kids no that's not what i'm saying that's not what i'm saying because guess what heterosexual couples abuse their kids and pimp their kids too okay right that noted but here's the thing, heterosexual couples do not come out and say, uh, we are perverts and we wish to pimp or and we wish to have relations with kids. These two gentlemen were part of a pedophile club. Like they were part of a group of people who actually is it, the man boy love association uh, uh, nexus sphere. Yeah. They were part of that. And so the heterosexual couples who do these horrible things and say they say we are upstanding couples, we are good people, okay, and then they do evil. Well, we need to punish those people in the most horrible way possible. Um, the people who say, I like kids, and I like them in that way, and then they go and do it, oh, I wonder why they did that. Who could have seen that coming? You know, when we know that there's- Minor attractive persons. persons. So the L, the fact that they're looking for people who are pro LGBT AI whatever that's concerning because there is a interest in maps becoming part of that uh, that flag well, and part of that group. And only that, I mean, go back to our last couple of podcasts where we've talked about transitioning and the harm and the trauma and the abuse that happens to kids who transition, who want to transition back, who get abused because they're transitioning, who get bullied. You know, you yes. look at all of that and you go, but the state of Washington wants you to be affirming and pushing that. And, 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 and think about this. Think about this again. Not all LGBT people, that's not what I'm saying, no. but imagine for a moment you have a foster care system 
that is 25, you are one in four are going to be victimized in that group. And you're putting them in with someone who was already, they, they were just 10, 15 years ago, they were on the DSM-5 for suicidality, the transgender population. You're putting them with someone who is already, just think about that for a moment. You're focusing on that group. It's not that you're not. It's not that you're allowing. It is you're pushing the placement. You are going to find a smaller diagram of stable, wholesome families in the transgender uh, group because forty percent of them are already suicidal. You are already at a deficit. I'm not saying that, look, to that one viewer or listener who is transgender and you are of sound mind and you are, you know, the five of you, 10 of you, 100 of you, whatever. I'm not talking about you. But it's it's like the whole argument of we want to have 50% men, 50% women engineers. You are not going to have a same quality because when only 10% of the women are engineers and 90% of the men are engineers, you are not going to have the same quality. You might find five good women and 50 good men, but you are going to have a whole bunch of other women that are not good because you are scraping the lowest possible of that Venn diagram. I'm not saying that you cannot be an LGBT individual and ha provide a good home for a kid. We're going to talk about the eternal soul of the kid. Okay. And that, that's, that's a conversation that we would have with you, but I'm not saying that you're going to be abusive, but focusing on that demo, focusing and making that the mandatory response. That is a mistake. Yep. You know, um, <clears throat> excuse me, my, my stepson, my oldest stepson, he has a, a friend of his that was raised by a homosexual couple, his father and another guy. Well, you know, he never had problems, uh, didn't have problems like that. And, I, you know, at first when I found out, I was concerned about it and uh, come to find out that there wasn't really any problems that were going on because uh, I really paid close attention because this boy was always coming over to our house all the time because he liked the food that I cooked and all this, and we always had kids coming over and eating at the house all the time because, you know, raising a, Gaggle a of crowd, of, a crowd of kids all the time, you know, we raised. and But when you put kids in a home that are with being raised by pedophiles, they are most definitely gonna be assaulted. That's what the modus operandi is of a pedophile. Yeah. That's what he wants, you're, that's what he's wanting to do. You're delivering them over, so look. Handing it, them straight to the, the hour. to the thief. We're at the hour. I want closing thoughts on this, and then we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna move into recording part two. I'm not dropping this right there, guys. Uh, if, if you're listening, you're going to have to wait until next week where we will drop part two on adoption. Everything wrong with adoption and how to fix it. This week's been everything wrong with foster and how to fix it. And if you want to fi uh, follow up with our final thoughts on how to fix uh, foster and adoption, we're going to be talking about that this next week. But you need to know, everyone needs to know what's wrong. So final thoughts for the day just for foster Justin, share philosophy. 
you threw our producer off. He was ready to go. I'm sorry, with Mr. You. Producer. I'm sorry. Go ahead. That uh, was funny. Um, so I want to start with the idea that I'm a big fan of foster care. I love it way more than orphanages, and I think. 90% of the time, okay, 75 because we know 25%, but you know, 75% of the time, it is great, it is wonderful. They need more resources, right? They need more backup, they need more help, right? And that's where a lot of things happen is because they aren't given the tools that they need and they ask for. I don't think foster is wrong. I'm not sitting here saying, oh, the foster care is completely broken and we should throw it out the window and oh, there's nothing good out of it. There are good people and good things come of it. But we can't get complacent with that. Mm -hmm. Our philosophy can't be eh, good enough, right? 90% is an A. You know, you don't, I always make that joke whenever, you know, I'm in charge of kids. I'm like, okay, you all get back to your parents. Well, 90% still an A, right? You know, I make that joke, but nobody thinks that way, right? One child being victimized is one child too many. And if we get complacent because, well, we can't fix them all, we should keep trying. Our philosophy needs to be fix it all. That's why we're doing this. More therapy for the kids. You know, CPS needs to be revamped or kicked out of the picture. Agreed. You know, um, we need to, you know, not be looking for, you know, foster parents who from the scraping the bottom of the barrel. Let's not, you know, excommunicate the church from this conversation because you're saying you have to believe these certain things. That's not what the foster care is about. Don't put a political agenda into the foster care. From right? either side. Mm -hmm. From either side. Yeah, from either side. That includes our side, too. We can't, we can't sit here and say, you have to be a Bible-believing person to be a foster care. You know what? No. We need loving people who will care for the children. Would I like them to be Bible believers? Of course. You can say they have but, to be Bible believers when we're providing the Bible-believing fosters. Mm -hmm. You can say that only when you've done that. Yeah. And we're not. So our philosophy needs to be keep working at it, keep improving at it until every single child is safe. Absolutely. Steve. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I agree with a number of things that you're saying, Justin. Um, you know, I, I'm not, you know, I, I heard about what my grandfather grew up in orphanages and I God, my mother has told me so many things and it was just horrible uh, much rather have foster care than anything and I've known numerous foster parents and they were fantastic people you know the foster parents just need to be background checked and checked out to make sure that we're placing them in the right places. And like you said, the therapy for these kids, we need to be offering these things through church services, yes. you know, uh, because uh, like John Arthur had talked about, then, you know, the kids can at a way learn to get to their place with Jesus and understand 
that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light, and that there is someone that cares about you, Amen. loves you, and cares about you more for you personally as a person. Amen. Absolutely. And so just from the chair, from the chair of theology for closing on Foster, look, again, I, I can't say it enough. I've got family who were, who were foster parents and it is the hardest thing I've watched their heart been ripped out multiple times with each, with each set. And you know, it was really frustrating. They keep trying to adopt and the crackhead gang member parents keep getting the kids back. And so I, 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 I'm not ragging on the foster care system as an institution. I'm saying that we need to be aware of what it is, what's happening, and how, how there the, are kids who are falling through the cracks in the worst possible way, in the most vile of ways. So we as a church, we need to be more aware, more attentive. And, and here's the thing. When people say that, yes, the church could, if every Bible-believing Christian, supposedly Bible-believing Christian, in America fostered a kid tomorrow, there would be none in the system. Okay? With that said, there would be a lot of people who are not called to that, fostering kids. Fostering kids is hard. Okay? It is difficult. It is traumatic. It is uh, a tax upon, upon you. But God bless you if you do it. God bless you if you do it. And if you can do it, uh, consider it. If it's God's will for you, consider it, but also know the problems. Now, on the note of the church, you have to remember, guys, you were called to missions. If you are in America, you are still called to missions. Your, your mission uh, field may not be wearing uh, uh, big bone nose rings and, and eating uh, uh, alligator in the, in the uh, Amazon or something or whatever. They're, oh, they're, they're foster kids. They're LGBT people. Your natives look different than what you imagine a missionary looks like. Your natives are where you live. If you have to pack up and go somewhere else to find different natives, God bless you. If that's where God has called you, if God's called you to some other country, God bless you. In the meantime, if you're in America, if you're in, in Canada, if, you, you know, if, you, if you're hearing the voice, my, sound of my voice in your native tongue, and you are in a Western country that is well off and well furnished, you are called to a ministry. Find out what that ministry is. Find out yeah. if that is the LGBTQ crowd. Find, that, find out if that is foster kids. Find out if that's adoption for you. But find your ministry. And I'm going to end with uh, uh, the words of my, my cousin's little, little kiddo. Uh, who they walked in one time after a very painful removal of two foster kids and they said, mom, dad, when are we going to bring the next foster kids in so that they can know Jesus? Okay. Were these parents pushing Jesus? To, no, but they did go to church with them and these kids did come to know Christ just because they were around the family. The family didn't push it on them. It's just it's how the family lived. It's who they were. And the, these little girls saw that. And so the next two were two little boys. And you know what? They, uh, when, when, uh, when one of them, I'm not going to say his name, uh, becomes 18, he's going to go back and work for, my, work for my cousin. He says, you are my dad. You're not my father, but you are my dad. Amen. So that's a gift. That's a gift that you can give someone someday. Consider it. If that is God's will, uh, will for you, do your research understand what it is 
uh, God can use you in a wonderful way. With that said, if you like this podcast, like, comment, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. Remember to hit that notification bell if you are on YouTube and not all notifications are the same. Make sure you do the all notification. That way you know when we're coming out. Uh, Apple appears to be deleting views and even in some cases i think they took down our last podcast i was told last night by a listener that um it was on and then it was off i need to go i haven't you know gone in and checked that out but uh, apple is getting funny about that um we were at uh over 500 five-star reviews on the uh itunes store and now we're down to 463 so i don't know what they're doing my bad. I took all of mine off. All of yours off. All the ones. Once that you I sit once there I started just, being on the podcast, I took all my five stars off. I okay. was like, mm, not anymore. You had what is that? Uh, Twenty seven plus thirteen. I think it was. So oh my gosh, I have a lot of 40? fake accounts. You yeah. had forty yeah. fake accounts. Mm-hmm. Oh, I wanted well. the U two album uh, forty different times. I think that. <laughs> I, I think that's worse than Apple removing it. Is that forty yeah. of them were from you? <laughs> Not really, guys. Not really. <laughs> but uh, make sure that you hit that like button. Share. Share. Sharing is the new caring. And, guys, you can find us on Twitter. Rumble. You can find us on Rumble. Please go watch over on Rumble. Free speech platform over there. And uh, thank you, Rumble viewers, for watching thank where you. you are. With that said, over 200,000 downloads of the podcast. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, we are on uh, 200-something on news and politics on the iTunes store. So, All right. uh, you know, thank you guys for listening. We're humbled. We're flattered. And uh, we hope yes. that you've enjoyed this. Okay. Share it with someone. With that said, we love you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, all right, all right. Okay, if you're still there. Man, that caught me off. Yeah, it, yeah. Let me it always does. There's always more. There's always more for those who fell asleep or actually wait, enjoyed there's the podcast. More. But wait, there's more. Okay, so today, again, I'm not going to make any jokes about today, so instead we're going to do something fun. Uh, what is your favorite sport? What is your favorite sport? Ooh, Easy pl- peasy, lemon squeezy, Hockey. 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 It is the epitome of sports. He says flag, and so I knew he would like hockey. Moving over, Steve. Oh, <laughs> a favorite sport. Bazinga. Is this like a a group thing, or is this What's like your an favorite sport? What's your favorite sport? Probably archery. Archery. Ooh, yeah. that that's is a fair. good one. I love that's archery. I was an archery instructor for years. So, so you, you opened up the scope a lot different than what I would have. Uh, I, I'm actually a, a NRA RSO. I do hatchet, tomahawk throwing, shotgun shooting, rifle, pistol, also oh, see, archery. I, I I've spent so that's much all time. just at his neighbor. Oh no. I, I enjoy. I didn't need him to know what those I've, holes were. I'm going on one. I've gone on mission trips. I've taught archery to kids. So, so yeah, it's a lot. It is a lot of fun. Hockey is my favorite sport to watch, and archery is my favorite outdoor thing. We need to I watch hockey archery. together. Yeah, yeah. I, I I don't typically watch sports, but I find hockey to be a lot of fun. I I mm-hmm. I, I was born in the wrong state. You know, I'm always hot, uh, and I love hockey. But there was no hockey league for me to join. Or at least it would not easily, not easily, not easily accessible. Yeah, yeah. I guess Here in probably Texas. after that would be martial art. I guess if that that's MMA. not really a sport. Just just remember, soccer is not a sport.
if you can end a zero zero, people walk out saying that's a good game. That's I, not a I game. That is guess. aggressive pass. I don't guess martial okay. arts is really a sport. To all of those who were triggered in the comment section, tell Justin why you think he's wrong, although I, I back him on that. Uh, tell us your favorite sport down there in the chat below. With that said, we love you so much. Thank you. Have a nice day. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.